Well, good morning again. This is an exciting day. Valeska read from Luke chapter 1. Uh, and as seems to be a tradition here, a new tradition, we're going to go to the last chapter of Luke. I invite you to do that. Turn to Luke chapter 24. So we want to look at the first chapter today, but also the last chapter today as well, as we think about the assurances we're looking for in life from God. I want you to just highlight on the road to Emmaus, the disciples, two disciples were walking away from Jerusalem. They were in despair. They were depressed because they had hoped that Jesus was the Christ. And Jesus appeared to them along the road and they didn't recognize him. In verse 17, we want to pick up there. Here's what Jesus said to them. And he said to them, what is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still looking sad. Then one of them named Cleopas answered him, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And he said to them, What things? There's some humor here, folks. <laughs> this is Jesus. What things? What's been happening? And they said to him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priest and the rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things happened. Skip down to verse 25. After uh, they expressed their despair and what, what was going on and the report that uh, the tomb was empty, Jesus said to them in verse 25, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. What those disciples had believed about Jesus was now all in doubt because he was, in their minds, the crucifixion and his death seemed to change everything that they hoped was true. But Jesus took them to the Old Testament, to the prophets, to Moses, to all those books of the Bible, and he showed them that a suffering and death on the cross wasn't anything new, wasn't a surprise, wasn't off the plan, but it was always in God's plan. And he was telling them, be assured, God always keeps his promises. Well, back to Luke chapter 1, it seems as though Luke's friend Theophilus had some doubts too, and that he needed assurance that what he had heard and believed about Jesus was true, that he could be assured that his life wasn't being wasted away by following Jesus. We don't know exactly what his doubts were, but we can imagine what they might have been. A crucified Messiah? Are you kidding me? That was a stumbling block to the Jews. They wanted a strong deliverer, not someone who was crucified, hung on a cross. That was a cursed place to be. That was a sign of weakness. And a crucified Savior, that was foolishness to the rest of humanity. Or maybe Theophilus was asking these questions. If Jesus is really the way, the truth, and the life, then how come the church has so many obstacles? It seems like our message isn't getting out there. It's a hard thing to press against. Maybe the Jews are right after all that Jesus was a fake. We're only really guessing what Theophilus 
was uncertain about. But let, let's just think about this. Sometimes what hinders our perception of what God is doing is our own expectations of what we think God should do. We question what God's doing because we don't understand. An example would be this. Since God is sovereign, shouldn't his kingdom come easily? And shouldn't he vanquish all his foes with a snap of a finger? Won't everyone see God's power, believe and follow Jesus eagerly? <laughs> well, we know that's not true. So why listen today? I want you to consider these three things. First of all, God and his word are trustworthy. We're going to talk about that today. Believe and grow in your knowledge and assurance of who Jesus is and his gospel, his good news, and then live differently because it's true. So why study Luke? Starting a new series on the life of Christ. Why did I choose to do that? Because I really believe we need to remember the life of Christ. We want to follow Christ. We want to make disciples who know God and love God and serve God. And one of the best ways to do that is to know who Jesus is, to remind ourselves of things we already know, but sometimes we forget or sometimes we doubt. Why is a good question to ask. I have a, a remembrance. I, had a, I have a younger brother, nine years younger than me. So I was a teenager and he was like three or four. And I remember he was up early. My mom was in the kitchen. It was a school day. And I'm in bed. You know, I stayed in bed every day until the last possible minute before I got up, got cleaned up, got dressed, got my stuff in place, crammed some kind of breakfast food. I could never eat early in the morning. And thankfully, the bus stop was right out in front of my house. He was asking why questions. Why? Everything. Why do you put the bacon in the oven? She would answer. Why? 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 And I was trying to get sleep and those questions were coming up in the line. Why don't you just say, because I said so. But my mom patiently answered. Well, God is patient. More patient than my mother. So ask your why questions. Be a student who seeks answers from God, from his word. Seek answers from people you know who love God and want to follow God and are seeking to please God as best they can by the grace of God so that you can know God more deeply. Don't be afraid to ask why. Why study the Gospel of Luke? Because long ago, it says in the book of Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews wrote, long ago at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets, but in these last days, he's spoken to us by his son. That's why we study the book of Luke, because God has spoken to us through Jesus Christ. The living word is speaking. Why study Luke? Because Peter tells us, knowing this first of all, that scoffers will come in the last days. So take care that you're not carried away by them, but grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So Luke's one of our resources that God has given us, God the Spirit's given us, so we study it. And Luke has structured his gospel in a way to assure us, his friend Theophilus, and believers through the centuries, that Jesus can be trusted and followed without fear and doubt. So those two disciples on the road to Emmaus, who were all depressed and sad, and Jesus came alongside, what got them to this place of despair? 
this place of sadness, this place of doubting that Jesus really was the Messiah because they were letting their expectations for what God should do get in the way of what God's word said. They didn't expect God the Messiah to be humiliated and suffer for the sins of the world. But you know what? God's patient with them and he's patient with us. And Jesus said, oh, foolish ones and slow of heart to believe. Believe it's true. Believe the word of God. And Luke is going to give us assurances so that not only Theophilus, but you and me can be assured it's true. If you open your mind and truly seek God and to understand his will for your life, God will answer. Seek. Ask and knock. Again, in the book of Hebrews, it says, and without faith, it's impossible to please God. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek them. Maybe you're new at Grace Chapel or maybe you're new to the Christian message, the gospel of Christ. But understand this, that believing in Jesus Christ by faith, not by doing good works, but by believing by faith, that gives you peace with God. And you're brought into a position to please God. And it's all because of what Jesus has done by dying on the cross for sins and not what we do, but trusting in what he has done. So first of all, why do we study Luke? Because Jesus' life is there. And by studying Jesus' life, we get to know the character of our God, the will of our God, the heart of our God, so that we can follow him and do what pleases him as we love and serve him. Our confidence in God is going to grow, secondly, when we wait. Waiting and fulfillment. That's a problem because we're an impatient people. And Luke is a resource to help us overcome our doubts and to be willing to wait. You know, the stories that God gives us in the Bible are about so many people who have faith in him. And they're in lessons for us. It helps us renew our faith and our trust when doubts come our way, when life gets hard and we wonder what God's doing and if we're really but can believe him and trust him, faith will be strengthened as we learn to wait. Long before the internet, I know it's hard to imagine life without the internet, right? <laughs> there was this thing called catalogs, and they came to your house. And in September, there was this catalog that came that all the kids in my neighborhood and our whole gang was like six or seven kids. You know, we were kind of in the middle of the country. The Sears wish, wish book came. And we would tear through. It came in September. So right about now, the Sears wish book would come. And my brothers and I, I have four brothers, we would go through that catalog. And our neighbor kids would go through their catalogs. And we would talk about what the coolest toys were, the neatest cool things. And the meter boys were allowed to pick out two things from that catalog and put on their wish list. And one of them could be kind of expensive, and the other one couldn't be very expensive. And back then, expensive was in the teens, I think, dollars-wise. <laughs> we would wear out the pages. And you know, between September, when we put our wish list to our parents, and December 25th, Christmas Day, it was like forever, right? But the waiting was good. It brought great expectations. 
Would I get what I wish for, hope for? Maybe I'd be surprised with something even better than I could imagine. And as December 25th approached, you know, when Thanksgiving came and, and then, you know, it's like a month away and it's like you're so excited. Christmas Day, Christmas Eve because of the church service and Christmas Day was such an exciting, joyful day because my parents were always trying to be as generous as they could. But, you know, that gift giving, that waiting for the promise to be fulfilled is just a picture of the gifts we give to one another on Christmas Day. It's just a, a shadow of the great gift that God sent us at Christmas. God keeps his promises because he's strong and mighty and all-knowing and compassionate, and he can be trusted. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven good, 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 give good things to those who ask him? Have you ever pondered why God makes us wait for promises to be fulfilled? I mean, the promised seed, which is, was answered by Jesus Christ in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, thousands of years Thousands and thousands of years passed by before God the Son came. Why would God make the world wait? A promised son to Abraham and Sarah when they were well beyond childbearing years. They had to wait 25 years. Can you imagine how long that felt to wait? They began to doubt. The story of Ishmael is in there because of that. What about Israel's bondage in Egypt? 400 years, and then Moses the deliverer is born, but then it takes another 80 years after he's born for him to begin to work and deliver his people. Why does God make us wait? David was anointed king. He was the chosen one, and yet he had to wait and run for his life as a fugitive. Why does God work this way? Because blessed is the man and the woman who will remain steadfast under trial. For when they have stood the test, they will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. And Hebrews 11 tells us again and again, people who trusted God, believed God's promises, even though they didn't receive the promises in this life, they held on to their faith, and that faith inspires you and me to do the same. People of God, we are a people, a new holy people, a nation of people that didn't exist before but now exist in Jesus Christ. And we're a nation of people, a kingdom of people that's from every tribe, language, people group, tribe in all the world. And anyone can be a part of that. Do you believe that? Then let that truth fill you and know that God's patient. He makes us wait so that we, our faith grows and endures, so that through the ages we can believe and see that his promises will come true and it gives others time to believe. Aren't you glad that Jesus didn't return before you were born and came to faith in him so that you can live forever and enjoy your God? Have you ever thought about that? I'm so grateful that he waited and he'll come back at the right time. Rejoice, believers, that God is patient. Rejoice that he makes us wait and trust him for his promises. And do not ignore the Lord Jesus. If you do ignore Jesus, you do so at your soul's peril. 
you face eternal suffering and torment forever, separated from God's mercy and goodness in a place described and called hell. Why study Luke? Because it helps our faith to grow, because it gives us an idea of who our God is and what he plans for us, that he can be trusted. Another thing about Luke's gospel in the first four verses is Luke's approach should give you confidence that his word can be trusted. His sources are eyewitnesses. In chapter one of Luke, look at verse two. Just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have delivered them this information to us. This isn't Luke's story. This isn't a story told by people to him. These are eyewitness accounts, and they're called ministers or servants of the word. And there's probably a play in the word. They were servants of God's written word. They were uh, servants of the living word, the Lord Jesus Christ. They were eyewitnesses. They had a good reputation. Luke's gospel can be trusted because he gave careful investigation. It seemed good to me also, having followed all things closely. The Greek word there just simply means I've investigated this. I've researched this. This isn't hearsay. This isn't what I want Jesus to say or I hope that Jesus did. This is what people saw him say, heard him say, and saw him do. This is what they heard and saw. Jesus was no phantom. Jesus was no dream. Jesus is no hallucination. Jesus is no fairy tale. He lived, he died, he rose again. He was real. He's God in human form, in human body. He's alive. Not only that, but this is an orderly account. It seemed good to me also to have followed all things closely. He researched it for some time past to write in an orderly account. Doesn't mean it's chronological, it just means that Luke writes it in such a way that he, so that we understand who Jesus is, we understand what his message is, we understand what we need to believe to be a follower of Christ. Luke's gospel is a part of the incredible story about Jesus and God's given it to us. In his book, What is Biblical Theology? James Hamilton calls God's promises, God's gold coins. Repeated promises in the scriptures, some people call it a golden thread that follow through. The Old Testament promises Jesus would fulfill everything that God promised for the, the promised deliverer, the promised seed. And he explained that promise to the Emmaus disciples. Those were gold coins. If you have your Bibles open, turn with me real quickly to Genesis chapter 3. We've been looking at that several times. David Mingle was just there uh, this summer in his, two, in his sermon series on the beginning and the end of the story. Let me just read from verse 15 through verse 17. This is when God is cursing Satan, the serpent, in the Garden of Eden. And he says in verse 15, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring, and he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. To the woman, he said, I will surely multiply your pain and childbearing and pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be contrary to your husband, but he shall rule over you. And to Adam, he said, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it 
Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it, the fruit, all the days of your life. And he goes on with the thorns and the thistles and the sweat of his brow. There was a promise there. A promised deliverer is coming. There's a description of a war, enmity between Satan and this promised godly seed, the deliverer who is Jesus Christ. Genesis 3, all these curses, but I want you to look at the promises just summed up in, in chapter 12 of Genesis, the first three verses. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. Him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in all you, you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. James Hamilton calls this a pile of gold coins, a pile a treasure chest full of promises. There's this promise of blessing or cursing in relationship to Abraham. So God's people, if people bless you, they can find blessing with you. Think about that, believers in God, believers and followers of Christ. We're to be a blessing like Abraham was to the world. There's family blessing promised here. It might be kind of vague, but there's this curse of uh, in childbearing, uh, the difficulties in it and marital relationships and the tension we feel there. But there's blessings in family here promised as well. And God promised a good land, and that's an answer to the curse on the ground. There's going to be a land flowing with milk and honey. There's going to be a promised land. All these pictures are, are fulfilled through history. They're promises that God's going to keep. And we talked about that. David talked about that last week when God, when Jesus returns in a new heaven, a new earth, and all things are going to be made new. This battle that's been going on in the Old Testament, New Testament, this war between Satan's seed and the woman's seed, the promised deliverer, it's all come true. Why would we doubt that God's going to accomplish what he said? Because God's people have always overcome by faith. Cain, his mom, Eve, hoped he would be the deliverer. But he killed Abel. But Abel overcame by faith. Noah's son Ham mocked his father. Ishmael mocked Isaac, the chosen son. But, Ish, but Noah and Isaac overcame by faith. Goliath is a picture of Satan. David, a picture of the promised deliverer. And David crushed Goliath's head with a stone and cut it off. A picture of the deliverer that's coming. Faith gave him the victory. And we will overcome by faith in God too. He sent the promise to deliver Jesus Christ. God is faithful to his word. Faith in Jesus Christ enables us to overcome the enemies of God. Do you know God's promises? And do you know the pattern, the pile of promises that are repeated again and again through scriptures to show that they've come true? Be careful of Facebook theology. What do I mean by that? 
I don't know what your favorite social media platform is, but be careful about passing along ideas, opinions, or supposed truths that you have not carefully investigated and found to be true and orderly. So we should be more like Luke before we pass on information, before we just spew out an opinion. So think through what you're going to say before making it public. <laughs> know the Bible story of Jesus well. It starts in Genesis and ends in the book of Revelation. Know it well. Become a student of God's word. Raise your level of knowledge so you can spread the good news of Christ well. Avoid foolish arguments. Be gentle. Be wise. Be prayerful. Seven years ago, around Christmas, there was this big deal. Do you, maybe some of you remember it. It was uh, the controversy with Starbucks Christmas cups. Do you remember that? Someone supposedly out there, they were supposedly a follower of Christ, was making a, the case that Starbucks was at war with Christianity because of their holiday cup design, that Starbucks was taking Christ out of Christmas. And Christians were told to boycott Starbucks. I bet you you didn't, but maybe you did. Do you know taking Christ out of Christmas has been going on for a long time? What about the first Christmas? King Herod tried to take Christ out of Christmas by having all the children killed in Bethlehem. You see, that's the war that's been going on for centuries. Satan always trying to destroy the line of Messiah through history from the very beginning. So Christians were told to boycott Starbucks, but it was really a lot to do about nothing. Since when do followers of Jesus depend on corporate America to explain the meaning of Christmas? We're the ones who are supposed to be explaining the meaning of Christmas. If corporate America happens to explain the meaning of Christmas well, that's really nice. But when they don't, what do we expect of those who don't really know who Jesus is? But we do know. I hope you know who Jesus is. So study his life and know him well. Why study Luke so we grow in a knowledge of the Lord Jesus? Because he is the way to God, because he is the truth and only speaks the truth. And the world needs to hear a lot of truth. And he is the life and he gives eternal life. He gives us physical life. And he's the one who rules over sin and death and Satan and can give us eternal life. So know him. God has kept his promises, so we wait patiently for them to be fulfilled. We see how he's fulfilled them in the past. The Holy Spirit's let Luke write carefully so that we can trust it. Allow Luke's intentions and confidence to become yours. Luke researched and wrote his gospel account about Jesus so people like you and me and Theophilus would become a part of God's community. So we would grow in our confidence in the message that we believed in and that our doubts would begin to wane and our trust and faith and, and confidence and patience and waiting would grow. Daryl Bach, I love this quote. God takes people who are outside his care and makes them insiders. 
involved and related to the God of the universe. This is good news indeed. Paul the Apostle wrote in Philippians chapter 3, verse 10, I want to know Christ. I want to know, I want to share in his sufferings. I want to be a part of this battle against evil, against the evil one, against Satan. And I want to share in the power of his resurrection life. Paul didn't keep that a secret, <laughs> this life that he had in Christ, and neither did Luke. So as we begin this series, as we investigate Luke's gospel to learn more about Jesus, I invite you, challenge you, encourage you, read through Luke's gospel, read through all the gospels, learn about the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. Get to know his heart. Get to know the promises that he fulfilled. Discover the gold coins of God's promises and put them in your piggy bank. Have them in your pocket so you can share them and spend them and, and, and pass on the good news. Are you a citizen of God's kingdom? Are you, do you feel like you're an outsider? And Christ is inviting you to become an insider? in his kingdom, to be a part of it, to be in the know? Maybe you think you're not worthy to be a part of it. Maybe you think you're too far gone. You're too wicked. You've done too many bad things. Well, you can't make up for the evil you've done. But Christ died and has covered all that evil work and offers you salvation if you just believe. Are you not convinced that Jesus is the Christ, that his salvation message isn't true? Well, then I just challenge you to hear who God is, to know his heart. Luke 15, verses 1 and 2, familiar verses. I've read them many, many times, and I came on them this week, and they just jumped out at me. Two verses, Luke 15, 1 through 2. Ponder what it means if you're a believer or if you're not yet a believer. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to hear him. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. This is your God. This is a God who comes seeking to save what is lost. This man, this deliverer, this God, this Savior, he receives sinners and he eats with them. Let that truth change what you believe and how you respond in your living for Christ this week this month, the rest of your life. Let's pray. Lord God, I ask you today to erase our doubts about your holy character. To erase our doubts that you're not fair or righteous. That you know what you're doing. Lord, we know it's true. Open our eyes to see that you are a great God. That you're filled with mercy. You're filled with compassion. You're filled with forgiveness. But you are a holy God. And you are a just God. But you have come to save, not to condemn. Help us to believe that and receive it. Lord Jesus, 
I ask you today that you would help everyone to be assured of the truth of who Jesus is, God and Savior. We pray this all for Jesus' glory. Amen.